0: For the reading of God's Word as we continue our consideration of 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter's first letter, first epistle. Tonight, uh, my sermon text is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, but we're going to begin back in chapter 1, verse 22, and I'll read beginning there from chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 3 to kind of fill in uh, the fuller context here of this passage. So friends, Let us hear with reverence and awe the word of our God, beginning at chapter 1, verse 22. And again, you'll find that on page 1204 in your pew Bibles. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. May God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. Please join me in prayer for God's blessing upon the preaching of his word. Lord, our Lord, indeed, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And Lord, we thank you for the excellence that is displayed in your holy word, for it is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We would ask this evening that by your spirit you would cause your word to shine the light of your grace upon our souls. We ask, Lord, that you would make us open and receptive to your word, cause our hearts to be good soil, that the seed of your word would take deep root in our hearts and bear much spiritual fruit. In our lives unto salvation and sanctification for your glory. And Lord, we ask that you would once again uh, guard my lips, set a guard over my lips, that I, your unworthy servant, may speak only that which is faithful to your word, edifying to your people, and honoring to your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. The title of my sermon this evening is Growing Up into Salvation, and even though we're considering a brief passage, uh, three, three verses in length, there's, uh, there's enough here in this passage for us to take at least a couple Lord's Days to consider. And uh, the key words that our children can be listening for this evening, there's five words I would suggest, the words sin, vice, growth, life, and unity. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, dear friends, if God in His sovereign grace has enabled you to place your trust entirely in the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, if He has enabled you to repent of your sins, then in the words of St. Peter the Apostle, you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, as it says in chapter 1, verse 22. And because you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth of the gospel with true saving faith and repentance unto life, you have a sincere brotherly love for the children of God, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, the Holy Spirit through the apostle Peter calls upon us in verse 22 to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is a pure, godly love, a Christian love that we are being called to here. Love for the Christian brotherhood, my friends, is not something that followers of Jesus Christ can opt out of. It's not an option. It is a requirement. It's obligatory to us as followers of Christ. But the question may rise in your minds, how can we obey this command to love one another earnestly from a pure heart? How can we do that? How do we find the resources to do that? How can we, who are sinners, who miss the mark and fall short of God's glory each and every day, how can we ever hope to manifest this kind of deep love to which the Apostle Peter calls us, especially since in our fallen nature, we are evil, we are corrupt, indeed, we are totally depraved. Sin has impacted the totality of our being, every aspect of our being, well... In chapter 1, verse 23, Peter tells us that the source of both our conversion to Christ and our sincere brotherly love toward fellow believers is the sovereignly bestowed gift of the new birth. If you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, united to Him by faith and by faith alone, God-given faith alone, then the reason you are able to manifest sincere brotherly love is because you have been born again. By the Holy Spirit. Through the Word of God, the Word of the Gospel, the Holy Spirit has raised you from spiritual death to spiritual life. And because of this spiritual rebirth, you have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ by a personal faith as your very own Savior from sin. If you're born again, you also desire to embrace your fellow believers as brothers and sisters in Christ. And all of this is made possible through the word of God as a means of grace and through the effectual calling of the Holy Spirit, who uses that word to speak new life into the souls of spiritually dead sinners. Now, on the basis of the truths which are laid before us in chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, which we've considered on previous Lord's Days, Peter next issues both a negative and a positive command. There are uh, imperatives in this section they are imperatives that are grounded in the indicatives of our union with christ and so forth but they are imperatives and we need to take them to heart and first of all he commands us to lay aside or to put away the old way of life that we used to live before god saved us and then on a more positive note he commands us to do that which is necessary in order for us to grow in this new life to which we have called, been called to, this new life that we have in union with Christ. Or as the ESV puts it, we are to grow up into salvation. Salvation here is, uh, is, uh, is a broader concept than just justification. It is the salvation uh, that we are to grow up into. Now, this involves laying aside those attitudes and those practices which are either not consistent with or which are a hindrance to our Christian discipleship, especially those attitudes and practices which contradict the sincere and deep love from the heart for our fellow believers to which we are called. In place of those old attitudes and habits and practices, we are to nourish our lives in Christ with the pure spiritual milk of God's Word, spiritual nourishment which we are to crave even as newborn infants crave Their mother's milk. Now, in light of this overview of our passage for this Lord's Day evening, let's turn our attention to some of the details of our passage. And tonight, we're going to focus especially on verse one. We'll get uh, to more in more detail, uh, consider in more detail verse uh, two, uh, the next uh, verses two and three in the following Lord's Day. But tonight, we're going to focus especially on verse one. And in verse one, beloved. I would have us to take to heart the call to put away sin. Take to heart the call to put away sin. Peter writes, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Beloved in Christ, God calls us to decisively lay aside our sin, just as you might decisively disrobe and lay aside a filthy, smelly, or soiled piece of clothing. What is the uh, word that begins this verse? So, or some versions have therefore. Uh, therefore is the way it's translated. For example, in the New American Standard Version, the ESV has so. So, or therefore, put away all malice, and so forth. This simple word in the greek it is un this word connects our passage for this evening with the previous passage at the end of chapter one it is because we have been born again by the imperishable word of the gospel that we are to put away the evils of our old unconverted life and instead we are to long for as verse 2 tells us to long for the pure spiritual milk versions such as the New American Standard and New King James Version, add of the word, the pure spiritual milk of the word. And even though that is not directly stated uh, in the language here, it is certainly implied by the context. Dr. I. Howard Marshall, in his commentary on uh, 1 Peter, writes this. He says, Peter refers with therefore to what he said in the previous section, the need for genuine love among the members of the church. Such love can exist only as its opposing motives and practices are purged from the members of the church. Consequently, they are called to rid themselves of all that is contrary to love. The verb can be used for taking off one's clothes, and it is probable that the metaphor remained alive. And so we are to put aside, as you would put aside a dirty garment, to lay aside Uh, the sinful practices of the old Adam, your old unconverted nature. Now, there's a parallel here to physical growth. Most of us can remember significant times in our childhood when we took important steps on the road toward maturity, steps which involved putting aside a previous stage of development in order to step into the next stage of growing up. Every child's life is filled with important events which mark a transition from one stage of childhood and development to the next, more mature stage of childhood and development. And there are some obvious examples that could be brought to mind. For example, learning how to walk for the very first time, learning how to walk on your own. A child who finally learns how to walk independently is leaving the crawling stage of development for the walking stage. Or you think of potty training. Potty training represents leaving behind the diaper stage. I remember as a a teenage boy, a time in my life when I had to begin shaving on a regular basis, even a daily basis. And many other examples of physical growth and development could be given. And of course, in terms of spiritual maturing of our young people, When our covenant youth come to that point in their lives, when they're mature enough in their understanding of the faith in order to publicly profess their faith in Jesus Christ before the church and thus to be welcomed to the Lord's table and to the other responsibilities and privileges of communicant membership in the church, that represents an important stage of spiritual growth, spiritual development, where one leaves behind, as it were, non-communicant covenant membership for responsible communicant membership in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many other examples could be given, whether of physical growth and development, social growth and development, or spiritual growth and development. Now, I mention all of these significant transition points of physical, social, and spiritual growth because each one of them involves a change, a laying aside or putting away of a previous stage of growth in order to step into a new and more mature stage of growth. And there is a certain parallel here, I would suggest to you, a certain parallel between what takes place in the process of our maturity in terms of our earthly lives, on the one hand, and what takes place uh, when it comes to our spiritual growth. You had to lay aside your old childish ways in order to mature into a stable, responsible adult. So, likewise, you have to lay aside your old ways of sin in order to step onto the road of spiritual growth in terms of your new life in union with Jesus Christ. Dear listener, let me ask you, do you desire to put away the old ways of sin and to walk with your savior in newness of life? God calls you, dear listener, to turn from that old way of sin and to turn to Christ. And if you have turned to him by the grace of God in repentance and faith, then he calls you as a believer to continue to lay aside, to decisively lay aside that old way and to press forward into the newness of life that he has called you to and that you enjoy now in principle because of your union with Jesus Christ. But having laid this general principle before us, let's now consider, and this is the second point on your sermon outline, if you're following along, let's consider some specific sins that hinder sincere brotherly love within Christ's body and which therefore must be put away. We are considering now uh, this so-called vice list that Peter uh, mentions here at the beginning of chapter 2. Now, again, um, so put away all malice, we are told. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. In other words, it's as if Peter is saying, look, in light of what I've been saying about sincere love for the Christian brotherhood, about your brothers and sisters in Christ, and about your new birth, this is what you are to do. In light of your union with Christ, in light of love for the Christian brotherhood, this is what you are to do. You are to put away or to lay aside these old ways of sin. Now, I believe this list of of vices that are mentioned here in verse 1 this is not a comprehensive or exhaustive list. Uh, it would seem that this is more of a representative list, but nonetheless, it is a list that, of vices that have the effect of, of eating away at and tearing down unity in the body of Christ. Christ desires for his people to be united, and uh, some of the most serious sins uh, in the church are sins having to do with schism, and schism, and and division, and party spirit, and so forth. We are to put these things aside. As I've already pointed out, this Greek word for putting aside or putting away or laying aside, this Greek verb can be used for taking off one's clothes. Norman Hillier, the Bible scholar, notes that the Greek verb used by Peter is in the aorist tense, pointing to a deliberate single action, a clean-cut with the past, you can't put away these things if you're clinging to them and holding on to them. You must decisively put them away. Simon Kistemacher notes that, quote, Peter figuratively tells the readers to take off the garments of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. So friends, God is telling us here that in order to grow in our spiritual lives, we have to lay aside certain attitudes and behaviors which are incompatible with the new way of life that we have been called to as followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And these uh, vices are also incompatible with the peace, the purity, and the unity of Christ's church. Well, let's take a brief look at the specific sins that Peter mentions here in verse 1, what we might call, again, Peter's vice list. And uh, just to give credit where credit is due, I'm going to be Uh, giving the definitions as offered by Norman Hillier, uh, the biblical scholar for these uh, terms. The first thing that we are to put away is malice. The Greek term is kakia or malignity. Dr. Hillier says that malice may be intended to head the list of specific examples. In other words, malice such as deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and so forth. This might might be an overarching uh, category under which all these other vices uh, fall. This would bring the thought close to the charge of hatred of the human race, which was regularly levied against Christians at the time of the Neuronic persecutions. Uh, During the persecutions of Nero, uh, Christians, because they would not go along uh, with emperor worship and with the, uh, the culture of their day, they were often accused of being haters of the human race. And it's as if Peter is, is saying, make sure that that, is, that, that charge is not, does not prove true. Instead, put away all malice. And then there is deceit. The Greek term is dolos. Deceit, Hillier says, in thought and then in word and action. Guile, in order to gain advantage over another by unfair means. We are to put away deceit. God is a God of truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we are called, as followers of Jesus, to be a people who speak and who live out the truth. And thus, we are to be truthful with one another and not deceitful, not using guile in order to gain advantage over others by unfair means. The next term is pretty, pretty obvious, the word hypocrisy. And in the Greek, it's hypocrisis. Acting apart, concealing a real motive, saying one thing and meaning another. Pretty obvious uh, definition there. And then there is envy, phthontos in the Greek. And Hillier says that this is ever the source of trouble in religious companies, and he would be correct in that. And then there is finally slander. This is a word katalalia from kata, which means down, and lalane, which means to chatter. So katalalia is to chatter someone down, to talk someone down. It's a term indicating disparagement, malicious gossip, and so forth. It is talking someone down, usually behind their backs, and these are, these are the kinds of behaviors, brothers and sisters, that eat away at the unity of the church. These are the kinds of behaviors and attitudes and practices that indicate uh, a spiritual immaturity in those who engage in them unrepentantly. Now, we have all been guilty. We've all been guilty of these vices in one form or another, to one degree or another, in certain circumstances or another. But if these vices characterize your life, then you've got a lot of growing and maturing to do uh, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, what what is our attitude, what is our disposition towards these vices as we see them in our lives and in our fellowship? We are to put them away, to lay them aside, not to coddle them, not to make room for them. But to lay them aside as you would lay aside a filthy garment. Dear ones, few things have the power to tear apart the unity of Christ's church, to destroy the peace of the church, or to undermine sincere brotherly love within the body of Christ and these sinful vices and vices like them, as Peter mentions them here in this vice list. Striving to maintain the peace, the purity, And the unity of the church ought to be a top priority among those of us who profess ourselves to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, by the grace of God, have you discarded the filthy garments of malice, of deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander? Are you seeking to demonstrate sincere brotherly love towards your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you striving to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As we close our time in the Word this evening, I want to close this sermon tonight with an exhortation given by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul, in this so-called practical section of his epistle, writes this, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he states something very important, though this is a This quote-unquote practical section, it's also deeply theological. Theology is practical, by the way. He says, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, that would be Jesus Christ, one faith, faith in the gospel, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Beloved in Christ, let us lay aside, as Peter exhorts us, as the Holy Spirit through Peter exhorts us, let us put away, lay aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. And instead, as verse 2 and 3 goes on to say, like newborn infants, let us long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, that by it we may grow up into salvation, if indeed. We have tasted that the lord is good and brothers and sisters in christ if you know christ as your savior you have indeed tasted that the lord is good the lord has been good and gracious to us and therefore let us display that grace and goodness uh, to our brothers and sisters in in christ by displaying sincere love of the brethren amen let us pray our Lord and Father in heaven, sovereign and eternal God, we praise and bless and thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for the grace, the gift of the new birth that we have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And this word is indeed the good news of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, which was proclaimed to us. Help us, Lord, to see the many implications of this good news in our hearts and lives and in the way that we relate to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And enable us, Lord God, to put away these vices by your grace and to display the fruit of your Spirit in our lives and in our fellowship with all love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For, Lord, these are indeed the fruits the fruit of your spirit who abides in us, your people. We pray all these things, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Dear friends, let's uh, respond with our hymn of consecration as we rise and sing together, 538, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, 538.